I, you know what I'm feeling like today? I think I want to go to Johnny Curry now. Do you know how to get there? Yeah, I know how to get there. So why don't I put it in the GPS? Uh, you, don't, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. I know exactly where I'm going. Just If you'll just listen to me, uh, I'll, I'll get us there. Well, we have the GPS. There's no reason not to put it in. Go straight here. Just keep going straight. In 100 yards, turn right. Yeah, the GPS says to turn up here at this next line. I know, but it's always wrong. Just keep going straight. I'm telling you, I know exactly where I'm going. Right. Okay, the GPS says to turn. No, just go, go strike. Okay. I don't remember this construction being here. That's probably why the GPS wanted us to turn right. I don't think so. See, I told you we were going to the hospital. Uh, well, it's just on the way. Go straight. Just, just go straight for a while. For a while? Yeah. I'll, I'll In turn left. No, no, just keep going straight. I'm telling you, just go straight. Turn around. I think we should have listened to the GPS. You know the signage in this town is wretched. I think whoever laid it out must have been high. Recalculating. I just hate reality television. Good morning. We're talking today about how to know what God's will is for our lives. I've been, I've been talking to crowds about following God since I was 16, which is a lot of years. And I remember the first meeting that I had, and it's happened ever since, and in all the years I've been pastoring, the number one question that I get asked is, how can I know God's will for my life? Or sometimes people will say, how can I know if I'm listening to God or if I'm listening to my own feelings or, or whatever? So today I want to tackle that question, and, and I hope that when this is all over that you're going to get a lot of help with that question and, and maybe even a fuller understanding of how God's will works in your life. We started last week by talking about the three areas in which you know, we look at how we get where we want to go in our life. First of all, there's, you know, there's destinations. That's where we wind up, and destinations are important. If you're in a good destination in your marriage right now, then you're enjoying a wonderful marriage. For some of you, you're in a good destination with your career track. And you worked hard to get where you are, and you're at a good destination, you're enjoying compensation, you enjoy what you do. Like Jack Welch said, if you can find something to do for a living that you like to do, you never go to work again. And that's where you are. You're in a good destination with your career choice. Others of you are in good financial destinations. So we said destinations are important. That's what it's all about. That's what we all want to get to is good destinations, because bad destinations are painful, as most of us know. But destinations don't just happen. Destinations are the results of paths. Paths lead to destinations. That's something that Americans don't seem to know because a lot of Americans, they're on bad paths. They're hoping to get to good destinations. It just doesn't work that way. Destinations are the results of paths, and paths are the results of guidance. For many of us, if you're at a good destination, you would have to say that I was guided well by my parents. I was guided well by teachers. I was guided well by wise people in my life. I've been on a good track. And ultimately, you would say that really it was God who used all those people. I got good guidance. I went down a good path, and now I'm at a good destination. I think it's that, that linkage that causes us to be so concerned, maybe even obsessive, uh, when it comes to asking about getting God's will for our lives. Because we, we feel like if God gives us the guidance, we'll be on a good path, and we'll get to a good destination. So if, if Christ followers are so passionate about finding God's will for our lives, why is it that so few of us probably feel that we're really in God's will? Why is that? 
I think it's because we really don't understand how God's will works. You know, if you think about the guidance that you've had in your life and, and getting answers that help you find the right path, the right destination, you know, I, I'm just kidding a little bit here, but I remember when I was growing up, we used to have this little uh, eight ball. I mean, it wasn't like a regular pool ball, but it was like this, this big kind of glass ball and it had liquid in it. And if you ask a question, you could turn it upside down and, and in random selection, there would be some sort of answer to the question. There were people that I know when I was a friend, kids, kid growing up, friends that I had that would, you know, say, do I go out with this guy? Turn it, see if it said yes or no, or don't even think about it or whatever. And, and others of us maybe got into Ouija boards and we got into, you know, that, or, or back in the nineties, you may have called the psychic hotline or whatever to find out what to do. Most of us, however, when we make decisions, we don't employ those things. We employ the advice of our friends, uh, what, what the culture says, what the media says, and to be honest, most of us imply, or we use our own judgment, what we've learned through the years, our own understanding about how things, things work. And for those of us who are Christ followers, what really goes wrong with us many times is I think what we'd like to do is we'd like to invite Jesus to sit at that table, along with the media, along with our friends, along with our own way of thinking, what we've learned through the years, what people say about us, our own insecurities, and all those kinds of things. It's like, I want to know God's will. So Jesus, have a seat at the table, and all these other entities will weigh in, and then you tell me what you think, and I'll just evaluate all that. And I think that's why God's will doesn't work for so many of us, because at the end of the day, there's one thing about God. He will not be among other voices. Either if you want God in your life, he must either be God or not there at all. I remember years ago, I was in a co-management situation. I was at the top of an organization. I had equal authority and equal responsibility with another person. That was a nightmare scenario. I don't do co-anything. I don't counsel co-dependents. I don't take co-Tylenol. I don't do anything with a co in front of me. I'm just joking. It was awkward because he was being deferential to me and I was being deferential to him and things were falling through the cracks. And I remember going to him one day and saying, look, this is not working. Either you be the boss and I'll follow you or I'll be the boss and you follow me, but somebody's got to make the, make the calls here. And I think that's what oftentimes God says to us. When we say, oh God, would you give me your will about this? Should I date this person? But then I have all kinds of other voices weighing in and God is saying, look, I, I'm not going to sit at the table with other people, other voices. And, and here's the thing that I, I guess that God really showed me as I got prepared for this message. Knowing God's will is not getting critical or salient information that we're going to employ to make life work. It's like an escalator. Have you ever gone to a department store or whatever and the escalator stopped? Try making it go. You know, try, try pushing one of those stairs. I mean, it's not going to go anywhere. You, an escalator is not meant for you to, to carry it. It's meant to carry you. And it's the same way with God's will. For so many of us, that's, that's an epiphany because all our life we thought, oh, finding God's will, that's like getting the combination to the lock. And if I find God's will, then I'm going to make God work for me. And it doesn't work that way. What we're going to learn today is that God's will is found in a relationship and beyond you figuring it out and making God's will work, God's will will carry you in your life. Let's talk about something for a moment. If you're a Christ follower, if there ever was a point where you put your, put your life in, in the hands of Jesus, you have two wonderful promises that bracket, these are like brackets, 
that make God's will work in your life. Here's the front bracket. Psalm 73, 24. I just picked this verse. There are many verses that communicate this message, but this is my favorite. The psalmist said, you will guide me with your counsel. See that? You will guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me into glory. What the psalmist was saying is, Lord, all throughout my life, you're going to direct my path. And, and by the text here, he was saying, you will direct me until you take me to heaven. I like that. I think that's what David was saying in Psalm 23 when he said, surely goodness and mercy will chase me down all the days of my life and then I'm going to the big dance. God promises you. If you're, you know, it's not like, oh, I got to like wrestle God's will away from him so that I'll get the magic answer and know how to live my life. No, no, it's not like that. This is the first bracket of God's promise. God is saying, if you are a follower of Christ, he will guide you. Well, somebody can say, well, Mark, I'm a Christ follower, but stuff is going on in my life. And it doesn't feel like God is guiding me. Well, I don't know how you work, but let me just, keeping it real here, let me tell you about me. When everything is going great in my life, and all my friends love me, and my family situation is great, and i got plenty, you know, i got money to pay my bills, and I'm feeling good, and no problems. You know what I tend to say at that moment in my life? Oh, man, God is really working in my life. God is really leading me. God is guiding me. And that's true. What happens when stuff goes south in a major league way? I'm saying, where's God? Where's God? But do you know that in the, in the tough stuff that you and I encounter, did you, and, and, and don't get the idea that God brings bad stuff into your life. We live in a broken world. There's an enemy who hates you. There's six billion people on the planet, and every single one of us has a sin nature. There's a lot of bad stuff that's going to happen here. God doesn't cause bad stuff to happen, but the back bracket, God promises you this. In, in the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. See, here's the deal. If you're in a submissive love relationship with God, you got God's will working already. It's not like you have to discover it. God is already at work. On the front bracket, you have God's promise that he will lead you all the way until it's time to take you to heaven. And the back bracket says, even the things that aren't good, God's going to use those to work together to bring positive benefit to your lives. Okay, I know what some of the more analytical of you are thinking. You're thinking, it's not that easy. There's something i got to do for God's will to work in my life. And you're right. We're, we're going to drill down on that now because, see, you can be a Christ follower and be out of God's will because, well, let's read the text together and I think you'll see what I mean. In the book of Proverbs chapter 3, there's a, a, a verse of scripture, actually a couple of verses, and, and some of us have what we call life verses. There's a verse in the Bible that really speaks to us personally and we've gone back to it over and over and we sort of declare that it's our personal verse. Through years of pastoring and speaking, Running into Christians, this particular verse has been more people's life verse than any other verse. And it's really powerful. I want you to look at it with me, please. In Proverbs 3, verse 5, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. Bingo. What's God saying? Three things right here. You do this, and God says he will show. You won't even have to ask. He will show you which path to take. So let's drill down on those for a few moments, and then we'll be through with this message. Three important things. Let's take, let's take the middle one first, because this, I think where it all starts. God says don't lean on your own understanding. You and I have understandings. We've picked those understandings up by our own experience, by what other people have told us, what we've seen happen to other people. 
You know, sometimes we pick up an understanding just by watching other people do dumb stuff and seeing what happens to them. Like the teacher on the first day of class, you know, taking her kid there for the first day of kindergarten. She said, if my little kid messes up, you know, does something wrong, don't get on to him. Just slap the kid next to him. It'll scare him so bad he'll straighten up. (laughs) I've straightened up many times because I've seen what's happened to other people. So understandings are, you know, and, and there's truth in our understanding. We've picked up an understanding. And after a while, here's what we begin to think. We begin to think, hey, I know how to figure this out. I know what I need to do. I'm smart. I'm well-educated. I'm experienced. I've done this job for years. Or I'm 17 and I now know how life works. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that flesh out that understanding. And yet, God is saying, if we're going to have God showing us the path, we can't lean on our own understanding. Beyond us all having, you know, ways of thinking, we all have particular ways in which we process salient information to make a decision. Let me give you an example of that. You saw a video with Mary Alice and me at the beginning. That was fictional, but what I'm going to tell you about now is real. Um, we, we're high school sweethearts, so we don't have a lot of, we haven't had a lot of arguments, but I'll just tell you, there's one argument that we had years ago that stayed with us all this, all this time. And then when we get into a situation where we're trying to figure something out and I'm coming at it through my normal way of handling it and she comes at it through her normal way of handling it, we just look at each other and say, Indianapolis. And I'll tell you why we say that. Back in 1990, I was on my way to a pastor's conference. I was president of an organization, pastor's organization, and I was speaking at a conference in Michigan, I think, Detroit. And so we were driving. And Mary Alice, you know, had the map, and she was reading the map, and I'm driving. And, and she said, I can't remember exactly where we were. She said, we've crossed in the eastern time zone, so we set our watches and everything. And we're still driving on. And I start looking at my watch, and I'm thinking to myself, we're going to get to Indianapolis right at 4.30 when people are getting off work. I've never driven through Indianapolis before. Traffic's going to be wretched. So I'm complaining about that. But as we get closer to Indianapolis, I don't see the traffic picking up. In fact, we're driving right to the heart of town on a major highway, and we're just sailing right along. So my intuitive way of handling things, I look at Mary Alice and say, I don't think it's 4.30. And she said, well, of course it's 4.30. I said, I don't care. I don't think it's 4.30. She said, I'm looking right here at the map, and we're inside the eastern time zone. It's 4.30. And I said, no, it's not 4.30. I can tell. You know, volume is going up and everything. And then after a while, I mean, you know, it was, you know... You guys know how arguments are? I don't, don't look at me with those halos. You guys know how things work. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm saying, you always handle things this way. Well, you always do it this way. I mean, we're just going back and forth. And I hate to admit, this has happened very few times in our marriage. But by the time we got to North Indianapolis, we weren't talking to each other. <laughs> she was looking out her window, and I was kind of looking out mine. And we just didn't talk. I mean, for a couple of hours, that never happens with us. Isn't it hard work not to talk to somebody, you know? (laughs) Finally, we get to the hotel where we're going to stay. And you know what we find out? We found out I was right. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't 4.30. You see, and and if if you're from Indiana, I don't mean mean anything by this, but from what I can understand, Indiana is kind of a freaky state when it comes to time zones. Some some counties in the central time zone, some are in the eastern time zone, and beyond that, Indiana is one of the three states that didn't observe daylight savings time. And, and I was right. I, see, my, my, my nature is to go by feel. Mary Alice is a very by-the-book analytical kind of person, which is very good that she keeps our checkbook. But she's, she likes systems. She likes detail. I don't like detail. I'm like, get to the bottom line. I'm a very intuitive person. And that's my style. You say, Mark, are you always right? 
Are you kidding? I'm just telling you, every one of us has that going on in our lives. Some of us are detail people. Some of us are analytical people. Some of us are intuitive. Some of us have different ways of handling things. And, and so what happens is we've done this for so long. This is the way that we've handled problems. This is the way that we've made decisions. And it's just so natural when one of these big things comes up in our life to say, hey, I know how to handle this. I've done this before. But there are three reasons why you should never lean on your own understanding beyond God telling us not to. One is, don't lean on your own understanding because, well, for one thing, your, your analysis is incomplete. All of us have learned a lot in life, but no matter how much you've learned, you cannot have learned everything. You can't, you can't learn everything that you're supposed to know. And beyond that, you know, we shouldn't lean on our own understanding because, you know, we, we're flawed. I mean, we have a, we have a human nature in which we, we don't exactly see things the way they really are. How many of us have been through an experience and all the way through it, we, we thought we knew what was going on and yet when it was all over, we turned around and we thought, what was I thinking? You know, our own understanding is based on emotions and emotions change. But there's another reason why we shouldn't lean on our own understanding and it's perhaps the biggest of all. I don't know the future. You know, oftentimes we make decisions because we're in a situation and we say, oh, this is a whole lot like the one that I went through five years ago, but it's not like the one you went through five years ago. It may be just different enough, and none of us knows what's going to happen tomorrow. When Joshua was leading the Israelites across the river into Canaan, he said, hey, we've never been this way before. Could I tell you what you're about to encounter? You've never been here before. And that's why we're not to lean on our own understanding. There's a verse in Proverbs that just says it better than anything that I could say. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, the Bible says, There is a way that seems right, but the end are the ways of death. In other words, for all of us, there's a way that seems right, but we can't lean on it. So that's number one. And remember, God's saying, look, if you do these three things, he will direct our paths. It's not something that we have to wrestle out of God. God is saying he will direct our paths. Number one is don't lean on your own understanding. Number two, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now let's, as I said a few moments ago, let's get rid of the halos, just you and me talking. I'm just going to tell you right now, I really struggle with this. I am obsessive by nature. And I want all, I want all the answers before I take a step. That's my nature. Trust does not come easy for me. And yet, if you were to catch me in the hallways of New Spring Church and you say, Mark, do you trust in God? I'd say, absolutely, I sure do. That's why I want to drill down on this, because I really want us to understand exactly what God is saying here. I actually went back and read this in the Hebrew, and it's really cool, because here's what God is saying. God is saying, trust to the point where you feel safe. A lot of us trust. We have trust in people. We have trust in financial situations. We have trust in career situations. But at the end of the day, we don't exactly feel safe. It's kind of like, you know, like the old guy who'd never flown before. You know, he's like 90 years old, never been on an airplane before. He had to fly up to see his daughter. His daughter met him at the airport. She said, Daddy, what'd you think about that airplane? He said, well, he said, I, I flew on it, but to tell you the truth, honey, I never did put my whole weight on the thing. <laughs> Some of us are like that with God. We trust, but we don't feel safe. God says, listen, if you want to have my guidance, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust to the place where you feel safe. Trust what? Trust circumstances? Absolutely not. Because circumstances can be horrific. What God is saying is in the midst of wretched, horrific circumstances, God is so there for us that you can trust him to the place where you feel safe. In fact, the world can be falling apart. 
your world can be falling apart. And you're saying, hey, I got peace in the storm because I know God is there. I, there are many stories I could tell you about this that in my life and people I've known, but this is the one that to me is always kind of the Mount Everest of those kinds of situations. My grandmother was an extraordinary lady, my dad's mother. She had nine kids in the Depression. My grandfather was not a believer for many years. My grandmother just loved God and walked with God, and she reared her kids to love God with all their hearts. Three of my dad's, uh, three, of, three of the boys in the family, nine kids, three of the boys are pastors. Three of the girls in the family sang Christian music group. One of the brothers was a Bible college professor. I mean, just an awesome, awesome influence this lady had. Just a country girl from South Central Texas, and yet she was just incredible. My cousin, Anita Renfro, who's a Christian entertainer and, and author. Some of you may have seen her, I think, on what, Good Morning America. She's the one who did the, the mother thing to the William Tell Overture. Anita's written about our grandmother a number of times, and she's just an incredible lady. And love God, just so pure-hearted. And I don't think I've ever heard my grandmother say anything negative about anybody. But in, in June 1977, we went through what a lot of families go through, just the kind of tragedy that's just so awful that you just can't believe it happened in your family. I can still remember waking up that Saturday morning and getting the phone call that my uncle Eugene, who's the youngest of the brothers who also lived in Fort Worth, my hometown, there's an intruder who broke into his house and he stabbed Eugene to death. And I found out on a Saturday morning and the following Saturday, Mary Alice and I were supposed to get married. We did everything we could to get through the weekend at church and Monday morning we would drive down early to Burnett, which is about 170 miles south of Fort Worth, where all my family's from for the funeral. And all the way down to Burnett, I kept talking to Mary Alice about how devastated our grandmother was going to be and how we could help her and how we could minister to her. We were just talking about what we we're going to try to do to encourage her because it was just, if you've never, if you've never had that kind of tragedy in your family, you just don't know how, how gut-wrenching that is. And I just knew that as strong as my grandmother was, this would cause her to crater because, you know, there's, there's your baby boy and someone stabbed him multiple times and unthinkable. And I could envision my, we've had funerals in that funeral home and there was a little receiving room there, kind of like a little living room and the casket would always be at one end and our family, which was mammoth, would fill that up and I could just, you know, envision before I got there, grandma would be over in the corner and sitting there crying and everybody would be hugging her and being there for her. But when I got to Clement Funeral Home in Burn, I could not have been more surprised because the person who met me at the door and opened the door was my grandmother. And she hugged me and told me how good it was to see me. And then she hugged Mary Alice and she said, Oh, Mary Alice, I'm so sorry this had to happen the week before your wedding. Now, my grandmother wasn't in denial. She was the most open-hearted, emotional person I ever saw in my life. And she grieved. But I thought, I couldn't get away from that because I thought, your baby boy's body lies in that casket over there, the victim of a brutal murder, and yet you're hugging Mary Alice saying, I'm so sorry this had to happen to you. When I think back on that, that was par for her course. She trusted Jesus so much that she always felt safe. And that's what God is saying to you and me. You want guidance? You don't find it by just saying, oh, God, what do I do? Give me the answer. Let me know. God is saying, don't lean on your own understanding because it's messed up. Trust God to the place where you feel safe. 
And then this third one, hang with me for a few moments because this one's a little challenging. Our translation says, seek the Lord in everything you do. But again, I was reading it in the Hebrew, and it's more beautiful, it's more awesome than it even sounds. All of us seek the Lord, hopefully. But the word seek there in the Hebrew means to know, to know. Here's what God wants from us. He wants us to trust him until we feel safe and not lean on our own understanding. But let me talk to you Christ followers who follow the Lord for a little while. Actually, I'm talking to all of us. God wants us to learn something from our previous encounters. And not just learn information, but to get to know God. How many of us have followed God long enough that we've been through crises and God brought us through? And in those crises, it wasn't just that God helped us. It was like when they were over, we're saying, oh, I think I know Jesus better now. That's exactly what God is talking about. See, that's a challenge for us. I mean, look back at the story of the Israelites in the wilderness. God did miracle after miracle for them. Opened the Red Sea, gave them manna from heaven, water out of rocks, led them, you know, by a cloud in the daytime and fire in the sky by night and gave them, gave them everything, answered their prayers. But what happened whenever they had a fresh, fresh catastrophe? <gasps> go to pieces. Where's God? We want to go back to Egypt. What about the disciples? I mean, Jesus did all kinds of miracles. He caused lame people to walk, blind people to see, took five loaves of bread, fed 20,000 people. God, you know, Jesus was doing awesome things like that. And the disciples were in a boat and it's in a storm and <gasps> we're going to drown. Guys, I'm not making fun of these people because I'm just like that sometimes. God has done so many miracles in my life, and yet something else can come up, and it's like, oh, no, Lord, we're going down. And God is saying, Mark, learn something here. Remember, think back on how I brought you through. God is saying, listen, if you will do these three things, if you will not lean on your own understanding, if you will trust God to the place where you feel safe with him, and then beyond that, if in that process you think, I've learned something about God. I know how God works. God is saying, I'll direct your paths. I'll direct you. It's not like getting some information. It's like having a relationship with God in which it's better than information because God's will. Listen, this is big. I don't know how. I wish I knew how to preach. God's will will carry you. Mary Alice has a milestone this year. I won't tell you which one it is, but it's a milestone. I'd gotten finished preparing for this message, and we were just sitting on our deck. We'd had dinner out on our deck, and we were just kind of sitting there drinking coffee and talking. And I said, babe, could I ask you a question? I did mention to her which milestone it was. I said it in the years that you've lived. Do you feel like God led you? Do do you really feel like God has led you? And she said, every step of the way. I said, I have another question for you. Did you feel it at the time? She said, no. At the time, it looked like random circumstances. At the time, I was just reacting. At the time, I was just doing what I knew was the right thing to do. But looking back, God has led and worked throughout our lives. That's what the will of God is about. It is about you being in a relationship with him, not trusting your own feelings, trusting him to the place where you feel safe, and learning to know him better throughout the whole process. You do that, it's a piece of cake. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to talk today about these wonderful truths from your word. 
And yet, Lord, you know that I need them as much as any person here. I pray that you'll help me and you'll help us all to grow in our faith in you. And now, Lord, I pray that you would work in each one of our lives in Jesus' name. Hey, would you pray with me a little bit more here? You know, finding God's will for your life only begins when you have a relationship, becoming a son or daughter of God. How do we do that? Total gift. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our eternal life. When you and I, by faith, when we receive Jesus into our lives, God forgives our sins, writes our name in the census book of heaven, and then you get into this relationship where God guides you. It's awesome. It's not something that you and I can deserve. I'm not asking you to be better because you and I can't be good enough. I'm not asking you to join our church because our church can't give this to you. It's between you and God. 2,000 years ago, nearly, Jesus Christ lay on a Roman cross, and he hung there for six hours. And the way God looked at it when they took his body off the cross, your sins have been paid for. It's that big. Three days later, he stood up and walked out of his grave under his own power, which means he is God, King of kings and Lord of lords. And if you will ask him to come into your life, he will do it. If you don't have words to pray, I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can repeat these words after me. You can say your own words if you want to. But if you've never received Jesus and you want to receive him today, you can do that. I'm going to pray a prayer. If you pray these from your heart, God will listen. Here we go. Jesus, I believe you died to pay for my sins. I ask you to forgive me and save me. Bring me into a relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I know that was quick. You just made the biggest decision of your life, and we did it in a few seconds. And, and you could say, I'm not sure I know exactly what happened to me. I, I, want, to give you a, I want to give you something. This is a, a great packet. It's just got some great stuff in it, some DVDs and, and material to help you know what it means to follow Jesus and the decision just made. It won't cost you anything. When you came in today, you got a worship folder. There's a detachable card. If you will, put your name and address on there. You can drop it in the boxes by the back doors, the bottom of the staircase. You can even drop it in the offering plate when it comes by. And I'll mail you this this week, but if you're obsessive like me and you don't like to wait, you don't have to wait. You can just bring your card right back to New Spring Store or guest services. Hand them the card and say, I prayed with Mark today. That's all you have to say. They will give this to you and you can walk out with it today. I am so glad you're at New Spring. Just give me a few more seconds here. Um, Next week is the final message in GPS. If you've ever found yourself, maybe through no fault of your own, you've ever found yourself on a detour and you're ever wondering, you know, wondering how can I ever get back, God is awesome to help you get back on track. We're doing a sermon called Recalculate. I can't wait for that one. And then three weeks from this weekend, we start the series of the year. It is a series called Pack and Heat. I cannot wait to get started on that. We live in an angry world. Dealing with angry people is a bigger challenge all the time. Dealing with my own anger is a challenge. We're going to talk about anger carrying anger and we'll have some fun with it but it's going to be great so three weeks from this weekend we start packing heat